Father, thank you. What a wonderful God you are, that you're mindful of us, that we sit at your table. It's amazing. When you look at the scope of life, the brevity of life, to think that we'll sit at your table forever. Through your blood, through your death, through your sacrifice, through your resurrection, and through your love. Thank you. And thank you, Lord, for the words that you give us from your heart to speak through our lips, to give to your people for encouragement and admonition. And God will give you praise and glory for all that you do here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this Being a Successful Young Person. And it's not only for young people, I believe it's for all of us. But I believe this is what God gave me this morning. There's a verse that you ever hardly hear anyone preach on in all the years that I've been a preacher. I have preached on it before. It's found in Mark 14 and verse 51. And there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body. And the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. This was the time when the soldiers were coming to arrest Jesus, when Judas betrayed him. The horses were coming down the streets and making loud noises at night. Soldiers were running through the streets And this young man, the Bible says, a certain young man, and I believe God didn't give him a name because it's us. It's us. When you see a certain man or a certain young man, it's a generalization for all people. God didn't give him a specific name. And it said he had a, a linen cloth. It was a young person, perhaps 16 or 17 years old. And the linen cloth that he was wearing was used for one of two things. The linen cloth in which the dead were buried, or it was a linen cloth that was worn at night as a robe before someone went to sleep. So let's picture this over 2,000 years ago. This young man is in his house. He's 16 or 17 years old. And he's getting ready for bed. Because the Bible said... Eventually, he would end up naked as the soldiers laid hold of him in the street. And he hears the commotion. And he throws a robe on him. And he opens the door of where he's living. And he says, who goes there? And what's going on? And what's all the commotion in the middle of the night? And the people respond to him and say, we're going to arrest Jesus. We're going to put him on trial. And I'm just imagining this young man saying to himself, man, I've heard about him for a few years. I've never met him. I never went to one of his meetings. I never touched the hem of his garment. And hastily he throws this robe about his naked body. And he runs out into the street and I can only think he's saying, this could be my last chance. To tell him, I love him. This could be my last opportunity to say to him, I always wanted to come to your meeting. I always wanted you to lay your hands upon me. I always wanted to touch the hem of your garment. But I never made that commitment. I never made that decision. And now he's running through the streets. And as they're going to arrest Jesus and these huge horses and these soldiers and all their armor and all their gear and their spears and their swords, see him running toward the place perhaps where they're going to arrest Jesus. And they looked at him and as he was running in the street and they laid hold on him, the Bible says, they, they, they held him, they used their strength, they seized him with great vigor and dominion and might. And power and strength. And they ripped the robe off of him and scared him with fear. That he ran back to his house nude. 
the Bible says, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. Was that his last chance? Was that his last opportunity? It's the only place in the gospel where you find that verse. Some people speculate it was this person or that person. But speculation goes nowhere. Because it says a certain man, a certain young man. And that's applicable to today. That people are in their houses. And God is trying to stir them. And God is trying to get their attention. And they're wearing their robe. And they're in their beds. And they're complacent. And not paying attention to the signs of the time and the seasons that we live. And so I want to speak to you this morning. How can you be a successful young person? The first thing that the Lord spoke to my heart was, tell them, don't seek unwise counsel. And immediately, immediately, I knew where the Lord was going to take me in the Bible. It says in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 1, And Rehoboam, listen carefully, went to Shechem, and for all Israel will come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and speak unto Rehoboam, because now he's the king, he's the son of Solomon. He said in verse 4, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart ye for three days, and then come again to me. And the people departed. And King Rehoboam, listen to this now, consulted with the old men, very important, that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do I advise that I may answer this people? The old men, the experienced men, the men that sat in front of Solomon. In verse 7 they said, and they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Verse 8, But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that we might answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. Verse 10, And the young men that were grown up with him, that grew up with Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, spake unto him, saying, Thus Shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make it thou it lighter unto us? Thus thou shalt say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lay upon you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Mm -hmm. Young people, who are your friends? Are they unspiritual people? People who won't agree with the word of God? Will you be like Rehoboam and go to your so-called unspiritual worldly friends for advice? 
for counsel? To ask them what they think? Now let me say this to you. And I know that when I was young, I did not want to hear what my dad had to say. But I did find out after I got married and had some children that some of the things that my dad said were accurate and true. And I didn't accept them when I was a young person. And so I do understand youth. And I do understand growing up. But here's the deal. When older people who have lived in the world try to give you some good orderly direction about where they were, and let me just say this. This is not to compare how much crap people took. This is not to up each other on our testimony that I was a big bad dude and I did this and I did that. That's not what young people need to hear. What young people need to hear is this. I was a sinner. I was lost and undone without God. And I made some terrible decisions in my life. And it didn't turn out good when I made those decisions. We don't have to give a report, a resume on how much crack we took, how much heroin we injected, what we did, where we were. We don't need to go back because even the Bible says, don't give that report. That report's dead under the blood of Jesus. But sometimes young people reject the advice of the older folk because they think, well, I got to sow my own oats and I have to find out for myself through trial and error. All we're trying to say to young people is we don't want to see you go through such horror and pain and torture because you got bad counsel. It's like going to a lawyer and getting bad counsel. It's like going to a doctor that misdiagnoses you and you get bad counsel. It's not good. So when Rehoboam met with these young people that he grew up with, they decided to become harsh to the people even more than his father Solomon. Number one thing that God spoke when I was given this sermon, don't seek unwise counsel. The second thing was this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15, and the heading that I put on this was this. Be intensely passionate, dedicated, and committed. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 reads this. I beseech you, brethren, and this is Paul speaking, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, And that they have addicted, look at the word, it's the only time you see it in the word of God. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. This place was a town, a city, Achaia. And the house of Stephanus was the first fruits of the gospel in that area where people became Christians and they met in the house of Stephanus. And Paul is admonishing them and encouraging them because they are people of God. And he compliments them and says that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word addicted in Greek means enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. And it means also the priority of my life is to be addicted to God and to his people. So the question that I wrote down was this. What are you addicted to? What's your enthusiasm? What are you so enthusiastic about? And what has become your priority? Is it drugs? Is it alcohol? Is it pornography? Is it gamble? Is it sexual immorality? Is it the power to get money and prestige? What is your addiction? Because our addiction should be to God and to His Word. But we have to ask ourselves a question, what is our addiction? And let me tell you something. You can't build a house or a relationship based on the foundation of an addiction. Hear me clearly. Hear me closely. I have counseled many female clients in the drug business who accepted a boy into their life who they said they loved, 
but who was addicted to drugs, alcohol, gambling, or pornography. And they thought that they could build their house, except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house. Those that try to build in vain. If you try to build a house or a relationship and it's based on an addiction that you think you can beat or change in another human being that God is not doing yet because they're not allowing it, that relationship and that house will eventually fail and fall. Good word. Hear what I'm saying. I've been in this too long not to know that. And so, if you're addicted to drugs... And you meet a girl that's in church and you end up saying, I love her. And then you end up saying, I'm going to get married to her. But you bring that addiction, that enthusiastic activity that you're involved in into the relationship. I guarantee you that your relationship will fail eventually. It'll take some time. Or either that boy will bring you to the bar and he'll bring you to the needle. He'll bring you to the pot. He'll bring you to the crack and the cocaine before you can bring him to the house of God. Hear what God is saying. The question is, what are you addicted to today? What are you building on? Are you building on your relationship with God? Because without that foundation, listen, the winds are going to blow. Matthew told us. The rain is going to come. The floods are going to come. But the house that's built on the sand, the house that's built on addiction... The house that's built on sin is going to fall eventually unless we deal with it. But the house that's built on the rock, praise God, hallelujah, the floods will come, the winds will come, the rains will come, but that house will not fall down because it's built on a foundation, it's built on the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's built on the word of God. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. If you're going to be passionate if you're going to be dedicated and you're going to be committed to the drug world and the alcohol world and all that world that's out there that's sinful, it's going to bite you and it's eventually going to sting you so bad like a scorpion, it's going to kill you. Come on. And you'll never be successful as a young person or as an adult. Come on. Next, be pure in heart. We're living in a world of sexual immorality. Right. We're living in a world where anything goes now. Come on. We're, we're, we're living in a world that's so mixed up with acronyms to, to describe people's relationships that I have lost count of the acronyms. I don't, even, I don't even understand the acronyms anymore because now they're blending together and it's like, I, I thought it was that and I thought it was that, but it, it's all different now. And so I'm looking for admonition from the Bible to give to young people. And where can I find better advice than the book of Proverbs? And it says in the book of Proverbs, stay with me for a few minutes. Because this talks about sexual immorality. And I think everyone that's here that has an adult mind, even if you're a teenager, you can understand the words of Solomon. And it says this, My son, in Proverbs 7.1, My son, attend unto my wisdom, and bow thine ear to my understanding. In other words, listen up. That thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman mm, drop as a honeycomb. And her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou cannot know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers and waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breasts satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. 
And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in thy greatness of his folly he shall go astray. What's he saying? Stay away from sexual immorality. Fornication is a sin. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to be seduced by that kind of a woman. Oh, there's pleasure. There's definitely pleasure. It's a biological, emotional response that God has incorporated into the system of men and women. But God has standards. Come on. And today doesn't seem to be any standards. We give people condoms. We give people protection. We tell them this and that. But just recently, the report of STDs in America is at an all-time high. All-time high in America. All-time high. They don't know how to combat it. And just to give you a little bit of information, When you engage in sexual immorality with an individual, you are actually engaging in sexual immorality with all the people that that person has engaged with themselves in the past. Mm -hmm. Come on. Hear what I'm saying? Everyone has a history. Come on. Everyone has a history. And you don't know where that history began. And you're playing Russian roulette when you're seduced by an individual that wants you to engage in sexual immoral behavior. Oh, it won't bite me. Yes, it will. Snakes always bite. Come on. Yes, it will. Oh, I'm smart. I use protection. Oh, that doesn't always work. Come on. Be careful. Be pure sexually. Watch that button on the internet. Watch those images. Stay off of it if you can't handle it. Come on. Don't engage. Don't go through the door. Don't open the closet. Don't go out that closet door. Come on. Stay home. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful what you're doing. Alcohol. I don't care. What people say, if you look at the words in the Bible, it eventually stings you. And when you start to drink and you go to parties and bars, you lose all sight of reality. And your inhibitions begin to move away from you. And all of a sudden you think you've got this freedom. And then you might forget where you ended up last night the next morning. Oh, I can handle it. Oh, I'm a social drinker. Oh, really? Oh, you're an old Pentecostal preacher that preaches abstinence. Yes, I do. Come on. I lost my nephew because of alcohol who was killed. I come from a family. I was on my way until Jesus intercepted me. It's not a good thing. Amen. Next, I want you to listen to this. Be strong. And I said, Lord, what's that? Proverbs 29, 20. The glory of young men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is their gray hair. Oh, I said, what does that mean? The word strength means vigor. And it actually means your appearance. It's your operating image. It's how you carry yourself. It's your presence when you walk into a room. The beauty of old men is their honor. It's their appearance of wisdom. It's this distinguished look. That people look upon them and say, that's a man of wisdom. But a young person, it says this, the glory of young men, the honor of young men is their strength. How do you appear? How do you come? What's what's your operating image? When you walk into a room, do you look like a lost puppy? Can you speak with eloquence? 
Can you carry yourself? Can you walk into a room and people look at you and say, there's something different about that young man. That's a strong young man. That's a young man that has vigor. That's a young man that has honor. That's a young man that's been tested, that has come through the tests. Are you strong? Or are you a weakling? Young ladies, don't look for a weakling. Don't look for a passive individual that cannot make a decision in life. Don't end up with someone that you're going to have to drag along in life that's going to become your third or fourth child eventually. You don't need that. I still believe in strong men. And I still believe that women like strong men. I still believe that women like men that can carry themselves, that can protect them. I believe that women want to be in a safe zone with a man. And I believe a woman wants to walk down the street with a man that's strong and say, this is my man and no one's going to hurt me because this man has presence. This man has power. This man has authority. This man is a man's man. We're raising wimps. We're raising, raising wimpy people who, who can't speak, who can't speak out or speak up. And that's not very attractive, according to God's word. Next, don't be foolish. Don't be impulsive and be impatient. And where did God send me? Luke 15, 11. And he said, look at this again. A certain man had two sons. Could be anybody's sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. You know, Dad, I'm sick and tired of being in this house. I'm sick and tired of taking out the garbage. I'm sick and tired of cleaning out the barn. I'm sick and tired of hearing you trying to speak to me about going to the house of God. I'm just sick of it. So I want to make a request. And what's your request, son? I like my inheritance now, Dad. I know that's going to hurt your heart. But I like my inheritance now. Because me and Barbara Sue is going to go down the road in our jetty. And we're going to live our own life. Because I am a real grown-up. Dad went to the safe. He put a bucket of money in the bag. He said, son, go ahead. Go out there. Get away from your dad's rule. Get away from your mama's rule. Get, get away from the house that you were born in. Go, go. Get away from the church that you go to. Go. Be impulsive. Go ahead. Go be impulsive. Be foolish. Be impatient with life. Go ahead. Tell me how you make out. Your best thinking is going to get you somewhere. And you know where his best thinking got him? His best thinking got him in the pig pen of life. Come on, preaching. And he's sitting in the pig pen because you know what? His money ran out. Hey, listen, if you're going to go, make sure you're a millionaire. Make sure you got a few bucks in your pocket. Make sure you got something under your belt, my friend. Because you're not going to last out there too long. Because guess what? Cherries are $5.99 a pound. Come on. Grapes are $2.99 a pound. Come on. And if you buy some grapes and cherries, you're looking at $11. You're going to need some money, my friend, to get out there and eat. And what happened to the riotous young man? He said, my, what's wrong with this picture? My dad's servants are eating gravy and biscuits, and I'm eating husks of corn in the pit pen of life because I run out of money, and Barbara Sue has nothing to do with me no more because I run out of cash. Thank God this young man came to himself. And he said, I've sinned against God. Wow, that's humility. I've sinned against my dad and my mom and my sibling. And I, I got to make a move. I like that song that Third Day sings in the, one of the verses that says, God, you got to make a move. Come on. <laughs> I like that, God. I say, God, make a move. Make a move in my life. Make a move in the church. And the young man got out of the pig pen. 
And he said, I must go back to my dad's house. And you know, I, dad was always sitting on the front porch. You know, it kind of reminds me of my dad when I, when I used to go out at night. And my dad never went to bed until I came through the door. My, I tell you what, my dad never went to bed until I came through the door. When I came through the door, my dad knew I was home, I was safe, and then my dad went to bed. There wasn't a time when I was out that my dad did not wake up for me and wait for me to see that I came home safe. Not one time that I can remember in my life. He waited. That was his way of saying he loved me. I didn't understand it in those days. He went home to his father, and his father sat on the front porch, and he saw his son coming up the road. And this is what I love about God, because that father is a picture of God. And he ran toward his son as his son was coming home and kissed his neck. And my God ended up giving him a robe and a ring and a pair of shoes that no longer he was a slave. And threw a great party and celebration for his son, because once my son was lost, but now he's found. Oh, my friend, my young person, please don't be so foolish to think that you can just strike out on your own and go out there, because it's a cruel world out there. Thank God for the bed you sleep in. Thank God for the food you have. Thank God for the mom and dad that help you. Thank God for the mom that bore pain to labor. Hallelujah. To bring into the world that breastfed you, that changed your diaper. My God, thank God for that person. Come on. Wow. Next. God said, well, what does a young person need? I said, I don't know. You, you have to tell me. He says, number one, Psalm 119, verse 9 through 16. A young person needs God's word. And I know that sounds so unfashioned. Oh, my. Oh, come on, Pastor. You want me to read the Bible? Don't you know guys in school are doing dope? This girl's doing this. and This is not exciting. This doesn't kick God. Pastor, come on. This, this, you want me to read the word of God? Yeah, because it'll give you life. It'll give you instruction. It'll show you the way. It says this in Psalm 119. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto there according to thy word. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from my, thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as all riches. I will meditate on thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes and I will not forget thy word. Let me tell you, this will keep you out of prison. This will keep you out of hell. This will keep you out of immorality. This will keep you from sin. This Bible, praise God, will give you life. This Bible will give you what you need. Everlasting joy. Hallelujah. That peace that passes all understanding. This word of God. That's old-fashioned, preacher. Don't listen to me this morning. Don't heed a word that I'm saying. Continue in stinking thinking. And let me know how your life ends up two to four years from this day. June 10th, 2018. And come back and knock on my door. And give me a report. Because you heard the word. And you're going to hear a little bit more of the word. Let me know how your life ends up. If you take this word this morning that God has given to us and reject it and say, well, that's good for you, but I got to go find out for myself. Come back to me in two to four years or even less, maybe six months, and knock on my door and hope that I don't say this to you. I told you so. This is not a game. This is not a game. I'm a pastor that loves God and loves people. And this is my family. This is serious business. Come on. You cannot take time out from God. Come on. What do young people need? Not only God's word, but they need knowledge and discretion. And let me explain that to you. Let me just give you the definition of discretion before I read the verses. Discretion means making good choices. Wise choices, careful and prudent thinking, good choices, wise decisions, careful and prudent thinking. Proverbs 1 and 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To do what? To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and justice and equity. 
to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear. Listen, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And in my lifetime, I've met many fools. I've met numerous fools who heard the word of God, who received the counsels of God but moved on and where did they end up I hate to tell you where some of them have ended up and where some of them are today my friend you do not prosper when you disconnect from God there's no way you can there's just no way biblically when you move your house off the foundation of God He's the rock. He's the foundation. You're in trouble. Because you are no longer under the umbrella of protection. You're no longer under the umbrella of protection. You know, we quote this verse. All things work together for good. For those that are called by God according to his purpose. And this revelation came the other day as I was reading. God is only in control of your life as you ascribe to his purpose. Hear what I'm saying? God is only in control of your life until you, only if you ascribe to his purpose. If you decide to step out of the purpose of God, you're going to get wet from the rain. You're going to get wet. Because God loves you so much, he's going to set up the scenario or allow the circumstance to happen that's going to get your attention. Yes, he will. And why does it have to come to that? Why does God have to wrap around people around a flagpole or, or a telephone pole? Why, why does God have to lay people flat on their back? Why does God have to do that? Because he loves you. But that can be prevented if we ascribe to the purpose of God and let God be in control of our life. But some people think, I've got this. And I hate that verse. I, I hate that saying. i got this. What do you have? Look at your life. Tell me. What do you have? What do you have? i got this. Come on. To me, you have nothing. Starting point is Jesus. Starting point is salvation. Come on. The next thing people need, young people need, is encouragement. Listen. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 30 gives us the clue. Even thy youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. What is God saying here through the prophet Isaiah? Young people will faint. Sometimes they'll make hasty and impulsive decisions. My admonition to you this morning is think before you act. Think before you act. Think before you act. Even you shall faint. They need encouragement. We all do. But Isaiah specifically is saying, you shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. We have to encourage you. But if you don't allow us to do that, if you just want to play a game and I'm going to placate you, and we're going to get into a philosophical discussion of manipulation and psychological warfare. I can't encourage you because you're opposing me. And I know that game. I'm pretty schooled in that game. I can see through that game through discernment. I can see how people, you know, deter the conversation. And, uh, and it's the wow factor. Oh, look at this. Oh, did you ever think of this? No, all I want to think about is God's word. You're not wowing me. You're not wooing me. It's philosophical. Bible says get away from genealogies and ph- ph- philosophies that don't line up with the word of God. Amen. We have a lot of philosophy out there today. We have young people in the streets proclaiming, hey, this and that. Hey, we don't need a constitution. Hey, we don't need a bill of rights. Hey, we don't need any of that. We don't need police. We don't. Go look at every civilization 
that doesn't have a constitution like we have. It's called socialism and totalitarian regimes and dictatorships. Go down to South America, go down to Venezuela, go down to the Middle East, go down where there's dictators. You think that you'd be in a church this morning worshiping Jesus? You think you'd be eating a bagel before church and having a nice time and, and conversating with other people? No, 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 it's all different. They're burning down the houses of God. They're killing the Christians in foreign countries. They're starving people to death in Venezuela. There is no food. And the dictators are still in power. Oh, we don't need a constitution, they're telling us in the streets. They're waving the flags of different countries. We live in the United States of America, thank God. I said we live in the United States of America, and thank God my grandparents and my great-grandparents came here, praise God, learned the English language, got a job, and helped build this country so I can live the life that I'm living right now. Thank God for my granddaddy. Thank God for my dad. Thank God for my uncles. Thank God for people that helped build this country. I'm so sick and tired of hearing the political stuff. I'll be politically correct. And we're going to hell in a handbasket. It's our country. It's my country. It's where my grandchildren I want to grow up in. I want to see them play baseball on a baseball diamond. I want to go to the auditorium and cheer for them as they make a basket. I want to honor them. I want to see the freedom that they can come to the house of God. What else does a young person need to be successful? Full surrender. And it's hard. I know it is. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 16, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that's God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, He said unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young men said unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's my question to you this morning. What stands between you and God that God wants you to give up? Come on. That's interfering with your relationship with him. Amen. That's a good question. For that young man, I believe God was testing him because he was a rich young man. And yes, he was keeping the commandments, but God said, hey, suppose I ask you to give up everything you have. Will you do that for me? He wasn't willing to do that. What is it that we're not willing to give up to serve our God? Hey, listen to me. Listen, I believe in school. I believe in education. I believe in a good job. And that's a wonderful thing. And then to go to school and graduate and, and get a great job and, and make money, and that's a wonderful thing. But you know what? Without God, without God on Judgment Day, all you'll have is your school degree. All you have to look back on is your possessions that you can't take with you. And what will you say to God when he says, what have you done with my son, Jesus? Come on. Well, what will he say when he asks you a question? What stood between me and you? What was it that you couldn't give up? What was so important? What were you so addicted to that you hung on to until you died? Number Next thing is young people need to be sober. But listen to what this means. Sober means to be serious about God. Serious about life. And serious about your future. Titus chapter 2 verse 6 says this, Young men, likewise, I exhort to be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Titus chapter 2 verse 6 in the ESV version. It says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Ask yourself a question today. Are young men and women in control? Look what's going on. Hey, you have no idea what happened Friday night in America. You have no idea what happened last night in America. (coughs) Do 
Do yourself a favor and get up early on Sunday morning. Go down to Dunkin' Donuts and get you a coffee. And on the way back, pass the Hilton Hotel. And tell me how many parking spaces are empty. Do you think all those people are vacationing? Do you think all those people are out of town? Look at their license plates. They're not from Canada. They're not from Australia. What do you think happened in those hotels on Friday and Saturday night? It's amazing when I pass through like 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And I see a hotel parking lot filled to the gills. I'm saying, what happened there last time? What married man met up with his girlfriend? What married man ended up with his concubine? What married woman ended up with Mr. Wonderful? Think about it. There was no conference. There was no big thing happening in Auburn. But a hotel filled up on a Friday and Saturday night. Titus 2.6 in the HCSB version says, Likewise, encourage young people to be sensible. Oh, amen. Self-sober-minded, self-controlled, sensible. Titus 2.6 in the message version says, Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives. Amen. Oh, pastor, you're just out of touch. Okay. The proof is always in the pudding. If it's vanilla, it won't taste like chocolate. And if it's chocolate, it will not taste like vanilla. Let me come to a close. Lord, what do young people need? They need counsel in the form of what we call good G-O-D. Good orderly direction. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, he says it again, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And here's the admonition of good orderly direction. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you. What's he saying? What's he saying? Admonish the young people that the world that's out there is a sinful, evil, and adulterous world. The question is this, and I could tell a lot about a person by asking them one question Who are your friends, and can I meet them? You know you have. (laughs) Right? Amen. Who are your friends? And can I meet them? Come on. And if they're your friends, do they go to church? (laughs) Oh, come on, Pastor. Kids don't go to church no more. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Yes, sir. Daniel did. Timothy did. Noah's sons helped build the help build the boat with their dad for 120 years. They did. What are you talking about? Oh, but you don't understand the age. You don't understand the day we're living in. Sin is sin. That's right. Closing. I want to read two verses to you, one in the King James and one in the message. Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, which God is saying, I beg of you. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not by music that pollutes your brain. Not by media that pollutes your brain. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, the will of God. It's pretty plain in the message version as I close, and it says this, Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. What's he saying? Good G-O-D. Be careful who you associate with and be careful that the culture doesn't change your mind and your thinking into something that's so warped and so philosophical that it's not even recognizable by ordinary people that pass you by each day. This is, I don't want to use the word formula, but this is a rudimentary game plan to be successful as a young person. What you do with it is going to be your business. And you know how we'll know that turns out? You get a report card one day. And that report card will reflect whether you listened to God's word and obeyed it Amen. Or whether you did not listen to God's word, even though you heard it and disobeyed it. The future will tell. Time will tell. And time will reveal. Amen. As an old mentor said in my life one time, more shall be revealed. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening.